This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Right, good afternoon everyone. Jesus, until his baptism, um, was actually known, I think by most people, as the son of a carpenter. Um, However, that wasn't Jesus' purpose. It wasn't his purpose to build houses and and to be a carpenter. Um, At least not to build houses of wood and stone. Jesus had a, a definite purpose in his life and it had been mapped out for him by God and it had been mapped out years before he was born the details were all laid out in the Old Testament probably what you you heard about last week now there are some very familiar words that are often read out at Christmas time um, that confirm this to be true in Luke chapter 2 and, and verse 26 the, the words come up on the screen there. Luke chapter 2 and verse 26. The, the, the visit of the angel Gabriel to Mary is given there. And it's to announce to her the imminent birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who she would be the mother of. Uh, and that was quite an amazing thing. And the angel explained who Jesus was to be in, in these words that are on the screen. Where it says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So the words told Mary that Jesus, her son, who was to be the Son of God, was destined to be King over Israel the long promised offspring of King David a man after God's own heart and that in him all prophecy in the Old Testament would be fulfilled all the prophecy to that time his kingdom that was to come would last forever now that's quite a promise quite a seriously important promise when when you think about it however The prophecies at his birth also came with a warning. They came from the words of an old man um, called Simeon, who who met Mary and Joseph 41 days later. According to the law, they went to the temple um, to offer sacrifices for their son. uh, And they came with Jesus. Uh, And Simeon was there waiting for them. And these are the words that he said. He said, Now... Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. So, when he spoke of Jesus, he spoke of him in terms of salvation, so being saved from something, and also that what he was going to do would be like a light that shines in a dark place for for not just Jews because up until that time the Bible had been all really through the Jews but for Gentiles as well in other words everyone there was a message and opportunity for everyone through this man, through the Lord Jesus through who was only a 41 day old baby at this time but however there was a warning as well 
He also said, Behold, the child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken again. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So, there was a warning, wasn't in a way, in that what Jesus was to do, at this stage only a baby, but what was decided for him by God, wouldn't be without pain. It would involve suffering. In particular, suffering for Mary, his mother. And you can think why that would be, come the crucifixion that was to come later in his life. It would be painful. But what he would do would reveal the thoughts of many hearts it would reveal what people were like because you end up having to when you realise what's being done you have to make a choice am I for God or am I against God so to try and summarise that as best I can um, Jesus was destined to be king of an everlasting kingdom and that kingdom is on earth it's to come that's a kingdom that's spoken about often in the Old Testament um, up until this time and it was also to allow others to be part of it even Gentiles, not just Jews and it would involve suffering and sacrifice so, so that was what was announced at his birth and it tells us that Mary kept these things in her heart she remembered them but what about Jesus, what did Jesus say because in his own words Jesus spoke about his purpose and, and what we're going to look at tonight um, just to to go through, or this afternoon, to go through what um, Jesus said is in those three three passages, really. And I've kind of revealed what they say before we get there, but we'll look in a little bit more detail when we get there. So there's three things that Jesus said about himself and about his purpose. The first one in Luke chapter 4 was that he was there to preach the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom to come. The second thing he said was that he was there to do God's will even if it wasn't easy to do if it meant suffering because God's will was more important than Jesus' will and the third thing he said was that he was in, in John chapter 18 was that he was the king of the kingdom of God that was his purpose and destiny ultimately so we're going to go through those three things now and have a look at them so the first one is Luke chapter 4 verse 43 and perhaps we ought to turn that up <coughs> excuse me So here Jesus has been surrounded by many people towards the end of the chapter. He's been surrounded by many people from dawn to dusk. And, and it's understandable why. Here was a man who could heal people. He could make them better. You would go with a pretty serious ailment. And he could cure you just by a word. Or by touching you with his hand. It's obvious why people wanted to get near him. And, and over and above that, the man was filled with compassion. He actually cared and wanted people to be better and so much so that when he healed he was exhausted at the end of the day there's one small example um, which is why the picture's on there uh, is Luke chapter 4 verse 38 where we read now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house but Simon's wife's mother was sick with high fever and they made requests of him concerning her so he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she arose and served them so there she was immediately she arose and she served them so Jesus healing was incredible but the re reaction 
was that everybody came. Verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had, who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them and did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, when it was day... He departed and went into a desert place and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. So Jesus is saying it's all very well healing all these people and, and he wanted to do it. He cared that these people were ill and that they needed healing but it wasn't his primary purpose because he had something better to tell people and that was about the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is coming in the future the kingdom of God is something that's promised throughout the whole of the Old Testament up until Jesus' time and the kingdom of God is when the world will change and, and as we shall see later Jesus will be king of the world and it was Jesus' primary purpose to teach about that because everything changes when the world changes in the kingdom of God and it's better than healing people now because death and sin and those things that cause problems now will be gone in the kingdom so that was why Jesus was sent to preach the kingdom of God and that he did and some of what he did, he did it through healing um, there's some examples if we look at um, chapter 5 and verse 12 it says and it happened as he was in a certain city behold a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying Lord if you are willing you can make me clean when he put out his hand and then he put out his hand and touched him saying I am willing be cleansed immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one but to go but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them just as Moses commanded <coughs> now actually that we just read that but that's quite a, an unusual incident isn't it here was a man who was a leper and Jesus method of curing him is to touch him oddly enough he didn't need to do that did we were just seen with the fever that was on Peter's mother or mother-in-law sorry Peter's mother-in-law he just said he didn't have to touch him under the law of Moses if you touch a leper you're unclean but that didn't work that way with Jesus did it it was the opposite way around Jesus touched the leper and he was clean now leprosy is an interesting thing because in the Bible it's, it's a real disease and it's not a nice disease but it's also used as a symbol of sin. It's used to demonstrate what sin is like. Because what leprosy does is it doesn't kill you in its own right. It just numbs your feeling. And then you get cuts and so on. And you have to constantly check to, to make sure you're not cut. And, and then it cuts get infected. And you don't know because you can't feel it. And sin is like that. It numbs you to the good and the bad that God tells us about. Because we justify ourselves and we want to pretend it's not really sin and Jesus is saying it's the same I'm here to show you a better way uh, and through things like that through um, 
miracles like that he shows that there's a better way let me show you again now the next, the next miracle perhaps shows us even better um, as a faith so that's in verse 18 it says then behold men brought on a bed a man who had been paralysed whom they sought to bring in and lay before him and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd they went upon the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus when he saw their faith he said to, said to him son your sins are forgiven you well, he's paralysed on a bed he can't move and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying who is this who speaks blasphemies who can forgive sins but God alone but when Jesus perceived their thoughts he answered and said to them why are you reasoning in your hearts which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins he said to the man who was paralysed I say to you arise take up your bed and go to your house and immediately arose up before them took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house glorifying God and they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying we have seen strange things today Jesus showed something quite incredible didn't he he, he did the miracle but he also used it, it was, I suppose an unexpected situation a man coming down through the roof in front of Jesus because nobody else could get in I'm sure they noticed the tiles disappearing and wondered what on earth was going on but they lowered him down and Jesus instead of saying rise up and walk said your sins are forgiven you and he did it to show that he could forgive sins that was part of his message about the kingdom of God that it doesn't come through our anything that we are good we are in effect by sin paralysed we can't get to get up and walk to the kingdom without faith and without forgiveness and that was the message that Jesus was giving through that, that not what parable that miracle to show that we need forgiveness in order to come to the kingdom and that's got to change us got to make us into different kinds of people because if we've forgiven then we need to forgive do you want to turn to um, Luke chapter 7 just to see another example of this Jesus has been invited to quite an important Pharisee's house in the town um, and whilst they ate and talked a woman sort of comes in sneaks in from the side and, and she's obviously in a bit of distress and she comes into the house and she heads for Jesus through the crowds because there's a lot of people there and she was obviously quite well known to the people in that house because well they knew she was a sinner now it doesn't tell us what her sin was um, I guess we could well, we could probably guess couldn't we what it might be but we don't know um, however she was not wanted in that place and that was obvious by the reaction of the people there particularly Simon but she comes to Jesus and she has an alabaster box full of ointments very expensive stuff as well probably in today's money probably worth thousands it's a lot of money's worth and she came in and she broke it this alabaster box and poured it on Jesus' feet and the smell would fill the house it was a strong smell 
and it would be very powerful and everybody would notice and she then proceeded to weep and to kiss his feet and to wipe his feet with her hair a very humiliating and, and, and humble thing to do and Jesus let her and so verse 39 the Pharisee says to himself Luke 7 verse 39 this man if he were a prophet would know who and what manner of woman this was who is touching him for she is a sinner you see he was questioning Jesus ethics wasn't he saying surely this woman should be rejected she's a sinner no respectable man never mind a prophet would be seen near her never mind allow this to be done to him surely a prophet would know what he was dealing with the truth was Jesus did know but it was Simon who needed to change and to learn more than anyone else in that room not Jesus and not even this woman who recognised she had sin and she needed to do something about it she needed it to be taken away so verse 40 Jesus answered and said to him Simon I have something to say to you he said teacher say it there was a certain creditor who had two debts one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 and when they had nothing with which to pay he freely forgave them both tell me therefore which of them will love them <coughs> Simon answered and said I suppose the one who forgave more and he said to him you've rightly judged you see forgiveness is crucial so he turns to the woman and he says well he says to Simon do you see this woman I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet and, and that's just common courtesy in, in a world in a land like Israel at that time but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head you gave me no kiss but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came in you did not anoint my head with oil but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrance oil therefore I say to you her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same loves little then he said to her your sins are forgiven so she humbled herself didn't she she didn't she, she didn't come in saying I need something and you must give it to me she came in in humility and she went to Jesus because she knew maybe because she'd seen that miracle or heard about that miracle that actually she could change through the forgiveness of sins but she needed to know that those sins were forgiven and only Jesus could do that if we don't think we need forgiveness then Jesus' message of a kingdom of a change in our hearts of the promise of a new life through repentance and baptism it doesn't really mean much does it if we don't think we really need it like Simon but to the poor and to the weak and to the ill and to the sinner who knows they are a sinner 
it means absolutely everything as it did to this woman we can perhaps summarise um, what Jesus did or what his purpose was throughout his ministry in, in the way he kind of started which was in Luke chapter 4 um, in Luke chapter 4 um, he started his ministry by standing up in the synagogue and reading the passage that's on the screen from Isaiah 61 where it says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor he has sent me to heal the broken hearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and his message and what he did when he healed people as we've just seen is exactly that isn't it Jesus actually stopped there the passage carries on and starts to talk about the kingdom and everybody was a bit shocked that he stopped there as they watched him but he said it's fulfilled in your ears right now and this is what I'm here to do and then he went and did it uh, as we've already seen so Jesus purpose throughout his ministry was to preach the kingdom of God uh, and he showed it and the way to it through the forgiveness of sins uh, and that's, that's important now the second of the passages is recorded in John chapter 12 um, and we'll need to turn that off John chapter 12 and it describes really um, from we've just looked at the beginning of Jesus ministry now we're right at the end this is where Jesus comes in um, to Jerusalem <coughs> and he comes in as a king he comes in riding on a donkey he's fulfilling prophecy as he comes in and he comes in as a king at the end of uh, John chapter 12 but however it's also for Jesus it's a time of stress he's keenly aware that his time is short within a few days of this Jesus is going to be humiliated and he's going to suffer the horrible death of crucifixion and he knows it's coming but it begins, as I say, with this triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem and of him being proclaimed king. And as a result of that, well, you know, famous people want to see him. So in John chapter 12, it tells us how um, Philip, one of the disciples, uh, was asked by some, some of the Greek Jews, maybe because he had a Greek name, maybe he was, he was a Greek Jew himself, I'm not sure, but if they could be introduced to see Jesus. But Jesus' mind is full of what is about to happen during the Passover in Jerusalem. He knows what's coming. And he is about to fulfill all prophecy about this and to go through something which is, although momentous for us, for everyone, it's also terrifying for him to have to do. And it's essential if God's plan of salvation is to come to fruition. And he knows it. So his reply to them seems well maybe seems a little bit odd I'm not sure but it's in John chapter 12 and verse 23 but Jesus answered them saying the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified most assuredly I say to you unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains alone but if it dies it produces much grain he who loves his life will lose it and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life if anyone serves me let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, my him, <coughs> him my father will honour. Now, Jesus says, 
my soul is troubled and what shall I say father save me from this hour but for this purpose I came to this hour <coughs> everything that Jesus had done up to this moment had been leading to this event to the crucifixion he had received warnings not to go to Jerusalem by some people because of they could see the people who were against him and yet this was his father's will and he would do it even though it was a difficult thing Jesus isn't here to be to wheeled out in front of people somebody famous to be seen with his purpose was a deadly important one and he uses that analogy of the grain he says it's just like the grain that must die in the ground to bring increase so it was with Jesus as he was preparing to die to his old life and to be raised to a new one the third day to live forever Jesus would be changed too and though he was troubled he knew that this was something that he had to do it perhaps reaches its climax in the garden of Gethsemane where he, he prays and he fights his own instinct to run to run away and avoid the thing that's about to come he's about to be well he's about to be crucified and it was a horrible thing <clears throat> and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and he knelt and he prayed saying father if it is your will take this cup away from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done then an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him and Jesus was strong enough then through answered prayer through the help to do God's will and when the people came to take him away he let them there was no way they could have taken him if he didn't let them but he let them take him away he tells us in another gospel that he was in agony and that he sweated as it were great drops of blood it was a real conflict in Jesus whether to run or to stay and do God's will but it was his purpose that had been mapped out for him before especially in the Old Testament and we're going to just read about that now in that reading so the reading is from um, Isaiah chapter 53 uh, and we're just going to have that now before we continue Isaiah chapter 53 Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of Yahweh revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when shall we see him? There is no beauty that we should desire, desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And Yahweh hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased Yahweh to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of Yahweh shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. So you can see from that reading from Isaiah 53 that there's something in the Old Testament that clearly talks about the sacrifice that Jesus was about to do. And and there's layers of meaning on the reason why Jesus had to die the way he did. They They were perhaps summarized in that reading that we had from Isaiah chapter 53. However, it comes down in its simplest form, perhaps to this, that we are sinners. And we are not good at accepting that that is true. We like to justify ourselves. And so Jesus' sacrifice, on one level, was an act that was designed to show us what sin deserves. To get through to us that we need to change. Sin deserves death. And it deserves that horrible death because it's sin's horrible. It's selfish. It's something that comes so naturally to us. So only a horrible death like the one that Jesus went through could demonstrate that to us. Add to this the fact that Jesus never sinned. What he did was done to get our attention. An extreme act of love because God not to mention Jesus his son but God is desperate for us to change but we've got to do it to be saved it tells us that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to eternal life laid on to that fact that the Lord Jesus has determined to do his father's will so this was a hard thing to do but he did it because God asked him because he was demonstrating that when God says something, it's right. It's God's righteousness that he demonstrated. And despite the extreme suffering involved in, in doing the will of God, in going through that sacrifice, 
that he didn't want to do he would do it because God his father knew best and the outcome proves that Jesus faith was well placed in his father we read it didn't we in Isaiah 53 he shall see the labour of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities therefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors it says in elsewhere in Hebrews chapter 12 it puts it this way looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him he was looking to the kingdom and the people who he would bring there for the joy set before him he endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God so on the third day Jesus rose from the dead God didn't leave him in the grave and he rose from the dead immortal he rose from the dead and was given immortality the result of Jesus' actions of doing the will of God even though it wasn't easy changed everything for him and it changes everything for us also we look at that sacrifice and realise that the will of God can bring us to the kingdom however we, we may struggle with some other things that's particularly fighting sin but that effort is worth it the final passage um, I want to look at <coughs> is a, of course related to the other and it's something that Jesus says in response to the question from the Roman procurator Judea Pontius Pilate um, he doesn't get good press Pontius Pilate uh, for this event really does he um, but the Jewish leaders more than him were attempting to engineer the Romans into imposing the death penalty on Jesus and, and it's interesting to note just what a poor job they had done because if you go into the detail of their trial and the things that they tried to do to Jesus at any time if he just opened his mouth he could have said what was necessary to avoid what they were trying to do to them but he kept silent unless he said one thing that incriminated himself and he did that deliberately in their eyes anyway and, and so when we read in Isaiah there it said he was like a sheep before his shearers is done Jesus was like that and that prophecy says about him and it's, it's in this context that's an almost exasperated pilot who clearly knows that Jesus is innocent and is attempting not to have him crucified asks the question <clears throat> so it tells us he, he's just been outside because the, the Jews can't come in because it's nearly Passover so he's in and out it, it's, it's a bit of a farce really that goes on but he comes back in and Pilate entered the praetorium again called Jesus and said to him are you the king of the Jews and Jesus is interesting and it explains his ultimate purpose in his answer he knows the answer because it's been written down before in the Old Testament part of which we've read there in Isaiah 53 but in other places uh, so John 18 verse 34 says Jesus answered him are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me Pilate answered I had you 
your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me what have you done Jesus answered my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world then would my servants fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews but now my kingdom is not from here Pilate therefore said to him are you a king then Jesus answered you say rightly that I am a king <clears throat> for this cause I was born for this cause I came into the world that I should bear witness to the truth everyone who is of the truth hears my voice <clears throat> Pilate said to him what is truth and when he had said this he went out again to the Jews and said to them I find no fault in him at all Jesus calls his ultimate purpose <coughs> excuse me was revealed by the angel who came to Mary angel, the angel Gabriel who came to Mary at the beginning and it's revealed by Jesus here it was to be king of the Jews but not at this time not when he first came when he comes again at the resurrection of the dead when Jesus returns to the earth to set up that kingdom ultimately he is to be king but first he had to suffer to identify with us who suffer under sin that he might show us a better way and so Pilate sort of realises this and I'm sure he put this notice up really um, to have a go at the Jewish leaders um, but Jesus' kingship was declared as he died on that cross Pilate like I say I think he did it to mock the, the Jewish leaders really because they didn't like it he puts up there in Hebrew, Latin and Greek Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews but Jesus' destiny and purpose is to be king of the Jews is clear throughout the whole of the Bible uh, and here are just a few examples from the Old Testament that Jesus would have known about and why he knew this here's one example for unto us a child is born this is in Isaiah chapter 9 unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this so that describes Jesus' destiny and his destiny to be king of the line of David king of the whole earth in the future kingdom of God here's another example this is from Psalm 72 in Psalm 72 we read this a Psalm of Solomon give the king your judgments O God and the righteousness to the king's son he will judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice the mountains will bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness he will bring justice to the poor of the people he will save the children of the needy and will break in pieces the oppressor they shall fear you as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations he shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing like 
showers that water the earth in his days the righteous shall flourish and abundance of peace until the moon is no more so this describes the nature of the kingdom that Jesus will rule over no more oppression no more wickedness the man who can literally do miracles in front of them there and knows the hearts of men is going to be king he won't be deceived by people who try and do wickedness and try and try and lie their way into doing the wrong thing and, and, and trying to manipulate things Jesus will know and he will rule in power and the result of that is that righteousness and peace will flourish that's the kingdom that Jesus is going to be king of and that he was looking forward to when he spoke to Pilate and it wasn't at that time it's the kingdom to come very soon when Jesus returns to the earth <clears throat> one last example that's the example to David David was given a promise because Jesus was of, was the, of the offspring of David a, a good number of generations later on as it tells us right in the beginning in Matthew chapter 1 um, and also in Luke 3 actually he tells us of the two different lines one of Mary and one of Joseph but it, it tells us that Jesus was descended from David and the, the reason it tells us that is because it's referring back to this promise here David who wanted to build a house for God is told no I'm sorry you can't because you're a man of blood but I'll build you a house but not one of bricks and mortar it's one of people this house that comes through your seed your offspring so he says when your days are fulfilled and when you rest with your father so after after he dies after David dies I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever I will be his father and he shall be my son and we know who that is now don't we if he commits iniquity I will chase him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men but my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul whom I removed from before you and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you your throne shall be established forever well, what good is that to David because it's after he's dead and buried well what does it say at the end as we read your house and your kingdom shall be established before you your throne shall be established forever so he's talking about a kingdom and a future king but David's going to be there he's got to be raised from the dead how else can it be done before David after he's died and he's talking about the throne that David knew all about in Israel so the kingdom is to be set up on earth and that's the kingdom that Jesus is talking about that was his purpose to be fulfilled because it's in the prophets and because it's in God's promise and Jesus knew that but to do that he had to fulfill all and go through that suffering so there it is Jesus purpose that was in Jesus words his purpose and whatever he did it ultimately I'll say whatever he did that's not a very way, good way of putting it but ultimately what he did brings about the kingdom of God on earth that's the hope that comes and what we need to do 
is to follow him to change ourselves to realize that we are sinners and repent and just like he died and was buried in the tomb and rose to a new life so we need to be baptized into that same sacrifice and be raised from the, the dead from the old life to a new life and then walk to the kingdom because through that we can have forgiveness of sins and just like that paralyzed man who couldn't walk anywhere and had to be lowered down on ropes from above and Jesus said son your sins are forgiven you through this way that Jesus has provided we can get up and we can walk to the kingdom through the forgiveness of sins of course that means we have to be like him as well and be forgiving too so that's the purpose of Jesus to preach the gospel of the kingdom to do God's will as an example to us even if it meant suffering and for him to be king in the kingdom of God so that we also can be in the kingdom of God thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Uk.